Well, this morning, we continue our Advent series on light and darkness that John began last week by looking at some of the prophecies that have been made throughout Isaiah. But before we go any further, let's open in prayer and trust this time to the Lord. Father, we come before you. I, at the moment, uh, am acutely aware that we come in weakness. We don't come with understanding. We don't come with comprehension. We don't come with ears to listen. Lord, everything good that we have, everything good that is given to us is given to us by you. And so this morning, as we turn to your word, another gift of yours, and seek greater understanding of you, Lord, that we might become more like Christ, that we might look at your face and seek it, that we might worship you more, more accurately, more purely. Lord, that we might be reminded of the life that you've given us. Father, we pray that you would make these things known to us by your spirit, by your word. We give thanks this morning for a message that will be about your son, the hope, the one light, the one true light that saves us, that is a light in a place of darkness. I pray for those here this morning that may be struggling, that may be having a difficult time seeing the light through the darkness. And I pray that this message would be something that connects with them. Lord, that you would connect with them through this. Father, we give thanks that you are the one that is in pursuit of us. Even in our weakness, you chase us down through your grace. Give thanks for that and pray your hand in this message for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, a little bit of context to start us off for where Isaiah's prophecies are coming from. During the time that Isaiah was prophesying in Judah, King Ahaz ruled. During his time as king, two nations waged war on Judah and besieged Jerusalem. The war resulted in over 120,000 men being killed in a single day, and 200,000 women and children were taken as slaves. Judah not defeated, but certainly put in a place of darkness. Isaiah encouraged King Ahaz at this time to turn to the Lord, to ask him for salvation in this time of need, to call on him for help. But sadly, Ahaz refused. Instead of trusting in God, Ahaz turned to the king Tilgath-Pileser of Assyria for help, saying to him, I am your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me. And along with this message for help, Ahaz sent gold and silver that he had taken from the house of the Lord. John mentioned last week the ease in which we can turn to false lights for our salvation. For only God can save from the darkness. Only God can save. Ahaz, instead of trusting in God for help, 
in this dark predicament turned instead to a false light. Isaiah once again prophesied to King Ahaz that because he had trusted in the nations of men and in his own scheming rather than God, dark days were ahead. Dark days such as had not been seen in many years. That when Assyria comes to your rescue, they will be like a mighty river bursting its banks and flooding the land up to its neck. They will be like bees and insects that will infest and consume, like briars and thorns they will occupy and spread and destroy all that is good in the land. And there will be great fear among the people of Judah for the Assyrians. And lo and behold, that is what happened. Assyria did come to the rescue of Judah and defeated the two kings, chasing them from the lands that they had taken, the land of Galilee. And rather than returning the land to Ahaz, to Judah, they remained and squatted there like a toad. The gloom and darkness had fallen across the land. What Isaiah had prophesied came to fruition. Ahaz chose what he believed to be a better salvation, a more sure salvation in the form of a powerful nation rather than the God that his ancestors worshipped. A salvation that perhaps from a physical perspective was more tangible, more substantial, more appealing. The strength of human arms to rescue over faith. But it was a false hope for all that it looked like. A false light. And like all false lights, it plunged them only deeper into darkness. Now, if this is where the story ended, it would be a story only of tragedy and loss. Judah up to its neck in enemies with no hope on the horizon. But it is not where the story ends. It is only part one. The darkness simply sets the scene for a greater story. And we see what happens now in our readings for this morning. Because Isaiah prophesies again. But this time it is not in warning or in judgment. This time the Lord has given him a different message. One of salvation through grace. He says, there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. The land of Galilee that had been taken first by the darkness will be the first place of many transformed by a true light and glory to come. Though the king and the people had done nothing to earn it, earning only judgment through their rejection of God, they are still his people and he has made covenant with them. And our God does not break covenant. He does not leave his people in the dark. Instead, in an act of incredible grace, he gives them a message of salvation and hope that will be their light in the darkness in the years to come. And it is this, that there is an end coming to darkness. God is going to bring about a great light. And it will make itself known. It will save people from the darkness. They will no longer be hopeless 
but brought into a new light, a new life. What would this life look like? This prophecy extends past the simple removal of Assyria. It is speaking about a light that will remove every shadow of darkness forever, full stop. The new life found in this light is not a restoration to the old life, but a birth to an entirely new one. We read that in this light will be joy, plain and simple, without limitation. As a nation, there will be, there will no longer be weeping over loss, but instead celebration over gain. Joy like people dividing treasure amongst themselves, rich with blessing, filled with hope for the future. Despair is gone. Joy is here. The weights that have rested on your backs, the burden and the rod of the oppressor is gone. Not simply removed and laid aside as though they may once again be taken up, but shattered and broken into pieces never to be placed on their shoulders again. The wars and battles, the bloodshed that has been a present uh, ongoing activity to maintain the kingdom is finished with. And just like the yoke and the rod of the oppressors, the boots of the marching warriors and their blood-stained clothes are destroyed by fire. Never again will the people need to put these things on and march to war? In The Lord of the Rings, the second movie, Two Towers, there is a battle for Helm's Deep. Toward the end of the battle, all hope appears lost. The impenetrable walls have been broken. The salvation the fortress offered at the beginning is revealed to be false. They are doomed. But they know that when the dawn comes, there will be salvation. When the dawn light comes, along will come Gandalf and a fresh army to save them. Everything hung upon the dawn, the coming of the sun. As with all of the blessings that Isaiah has now listed, the promises, this new kingdom of light, The salvation that the people eagerly desire and desperately need waits on one thing. The arrival of a son. A child born to humanity. It is upon the appearance of this son that every hope for the future of Judah hangs. This child is the one that will change everything. Upon him rests the authority to shine light into the darkness and onto the people dwelling there. He will be the one that brings about the joy and blessing of the people. He will break the burdens and rods from the backs of the people and burn the apparel of war. This son, he will be their new king. And his character will not be like any other king that they have known. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Prince, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What human child in all of existence should ever be called Mighty God? Many of our kids are quite well behaved at Koro, but this is something else. 
he is the son of God that is coming. This son's kingdom will never see the end of peace, yet it will only ever continue to grow. Amazing. In a time when conquest and war was the only real method of growth for a kingdom. The method of his rule, the way in which he dictates his kingdom will be justice and righteousness forever. Now it doesn't end there. Isaiah prophesies again in chapter 60 and it reveals that not only are the people the recipients of all this, the blessings, the king and his kingdom of light, they will also, uh, where, I mean, quite frankly, they are just like kids in a lolly shop of blessings. They themselves are also going to be changed. They not only receive the blessings of God, but become a part of the blessings of God, a part of God's grace to the rest of the world. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, but the Lord will rise in you and his glory will appear over you, and the nations will come to your light, kings drawn to your brightness. The people become a part of God's divine intentions for this world. The people once dark shine now with light from their king, and the world takes notice. Lift up your eyes, it says, look around, the world gathers together and comes to you. The kingdom will grow and it will multiply through the willing submission of the surrounding nations to the king of light. Not only will the darkness of Judah be lifted, but the darkness of the world will be. And these transformed people will be radiant with joy of a world transformed. Now, when Catherine was pregnant, she was often described as being radiant. She was bringing about a new life and was filled with joy. That's just before the season where she started waddling like a duck and struggling to get out of bed. Her radiance, though, was real but it will be as nothing compared to the radiant joy that will come from the people of light as they see more and more nations responding to their light. But these new people that are coming, the Gentiles, are not just visitors to the new kingdom, here to see the shiny people, just as we stop at Christmas lights on houses, to look to ooh and ah and then move on. No, they enter into the kingdom and they join in they become the people of light verses six and seven say that they come with gifts of frankincense and gold ready to proclaim praise for god they come with sacrifices acceptable and ready to glorify god those who once placed their faith in false lights that led only to darkness. Those that dwelled and lived in darkness are rescued by the light of the sun coming from his people. Man, what a prophecy. 
What a prophecy to have received in a time of darkness for Judah. When things seem at their worst, God is with us. He has not abandoned us in our time of need. He has a plan even now for our salvation. Now, when will that sun arrive, that sun upon which everything hangs? Not just a hope for Judah, but the hope of the world. The coming of this sun brings the world out of darkness and into the light. Even though it would be several hundred years until Jesus would be born, faith in God's word, trust in the promised Messiah, would function as a lamp and does function as a lamp in the darkness. These are the words of Peter in our passage. You will do well to be attentive to this, the prophecy, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Though the fullness of the kingdom is not yet realised, Though there is still suffering and difficulty, faith in the sun is the only light in the darkness, and it is here. Even for those who do not, who did not even see Christ born yet. Let's look to an example in Simeon as evidence of the effectiveness of a hope in Christ even before his birth. Luke 2, 25 to 32 says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. His man, this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, the description of Simeon before Jesus enters into the picture, into the story, does it paint him as one lost in darkness? I don't believe so. It says that he was a righteous and devout man, living in the light afforded to him by faith in the sun. He continued to look to a prophecy that said that Jesus was his hope and it worked as a light. The consolation of Israel. The prophecy of Christ afforded the Old Testament saints a hope in Christ as their saviour. It gave them a true light amidst the, amidst the false ones, an escape from darkness even then. True, the kingdom of light was not yet fully realised, but it was the light of Christ. People were changed by it, like Simeon. By doing exactly what Peter said, attend the prophecy 
like a lamp in a dark place. Then Simeon actually sees him. He sees Jesus and his light grows only brighter. Overcome with yet more joy, my eyes have seen your salvation. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon, unusually, has interpreted the prophecy correctly. He knows that the kingdom is now here with the arrival of the sun. And the light of Jesus will soon be reaching out beyond Judah to the world, the Gentile kingdoms. Something that is only, was only ever going to happen when the sun arrived. If Simeon was amazed and his light magnified when he saw Jesus, what about Peter? What does Peter say? I saw him, the son of light in majesty. With my own eyes, the long-awaited prophecy is confirmed. The hope of everyone in the dark is here. Peter, of course, is recounting his first-hand account of the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus' face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. And for a moment, Peter caught an unveiled glimpse of the King of Light glorified. More than that, more than an eyewitness, Peter was an ear witness. He heard the voice of the Father calling from heaven, confirming the prophecy, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Now that he has seen Christ glorified, the prophecy confirmed, what are his instructions to the young churches? Well, this is what it is. The king, uh, Jesus is here. Is it Jesus is here? The kingdom is here. The blessings are rolling in. You don't need to worry about this Old Testament hope. The light is all around. You don't need to focus on Jesus anymore. No. He continues only to encourage the churches. You would do well to attend this prophecy as to a lamp in a dark place. Continue to place your faith in Christ as your light. Even more so now that we have a prophecy that is more fully confirmed. Continue to look only to Christ as the one that will change everything, that will bring you out of the darkness. It would be too easy for us here and now to presume upon Christ and forget. The kingdom is here. Sin is forgiven. My future secure. And to start beginning to play, playfully look away from the one lamp that we have to see what's going on with those other false lights, to believe that they will be effective in our struggles with darkness. We may forget that our only, only hope for escaping darkness and being brought into the light is the coming of the sun and to continue to place our faith in him alone as our source of light. This is what effective light comes from. This is where the victory is won. This really is the Christmas message, isn't it? The arrival of the sun, the light of the world. For unto us a child is born, 
unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I thought about it. I would have picked a Christmas carol this morning, but I didn't. However, the song that we are about to sing certainly speaks of the birth of Jesus, the word becoming flesh and the light shining upon us. Let us pray and then you can sing. One day when heaven. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks for your grace. Lord, when we have made so many mistakes, so many sins, chosen so many false lights in our life, Lord, and we have, every one of us, and yet in your grace, in your desire to make yourself known, in your desire to not abandon the people you love to darkness, you gave us a hope in your son, a light in the dark place until the dawn comes and the morning star rises in our hearts. What grace. Father, I give thanks and pray for your forgiveness for our sins. And delight and rejoice in the hope that you have given us in Christ. I pray that each one of us that you would help us to be able, as we go through this series, as we continue to chat with one another and discuss your word, that we would be open and honest with one another and be able, through your light, to be able to see where are those places, where are those times where we are not turning to Christ as our one and only light in this dark place. Where are we turning to other things? Where are we turning to the strength of our own arms, our own minds? Where are we turning to just work harder and longer? Where are we turning to rational thought and our own human wisdom? Where are we trusting in things that are physical and easier, easier for us to believe in than simply faith? These things are false lights and lead us only further into darkness. Help us to be able to identify those, Lord, and set us free through your grace, through the light of Christ. We give thanks that your kingdom is being realized in the appearance of the Son, and we look forward to his return when it will be complete where we will be fully brought into your company, where there will be no more darkness. But we pray in the here and the now that you will help us cling tightly to Christ as our victory, as our method for wading through this life, as our hope and our salvation and what we proclaim to everybody around us. Bless everyone that is at church this morning. 
fill their eyes with a glimpse of your glory and their, their hearts with a desire for your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.